Well, guys, welcome to church. So glad you are here. 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 Uh, Sometimes I'm amazed that God uses me. You know what I mean? Um, I should have done better in English when I was in high school. I'll just say that. I should have paid more attention. But uh, glad you're here. And those of you who are online, thank you for being a part of this service here. So, so grateful. And I'm, I'm humbled. And I pray that, that God ministers to you in a surprising way, in a surprising way. Uh, uh, Church, I want to tell you about our Feed 5000 event before we jump into this message. Uh, It's coming up. It's in November. So I hope you block out those days on your calendar, but it's a week before Thanksgiving. And uh, if if you're just new to this, what we've been doing is we've been feeding people uh, in November for probably close to, I don't know, 17 years, something like that, Uh, maybe 18 years. And this has evolved. And uh, now we partner with Food for Hope, uh, a ministry that Thorn Creek Church started. And we now uh, feed, uh, we feed, actually, it's just over 6,000 people every November. So it's a pretty exciting undertaking. It requires us to, to, uh, to raise funds uh, to, to purchase 2,200 boxes. And each box feeds a family of three to four. So it's a significant undertaking. In fact, I, I heard a number, I, I believe it, it cost over $50,000 to pull this event off. It's quite a, quite a project. But we do it, and uh, we actually minister to these schools throughout the calendar school year. And uh, this year, uh, we are, are feeding many, many families in 25 public schools. Uh, so super exciting as we partner with uh, the school district and, and we, we love on people who are coming from humble situations, humble circumstances. So our goal here at Thorn Creek is, our part is to sponsor 200 boxes. And uh, God bless Food for Hope and all the other partners that are involved. Churches and other organizations are helping out with the difference. But uh, let me tell you where we're at right now. As of today, we have sponsored 124 boxes. So praise the Lord. That's a big deal. Thank you so much. Uh, we have just a few more boxes. This, I think this is the earliest we've ever been in our goal this year. We probably need to double the whole thing next year because you're doing so good. But uh, we need a total of 200 boxes sponsored. So please uh, don't procrastinate. You heard uh, Emily, uh, our, our director for Food for Hope, share last week how it really helps us in planning if you sponsor now. So please don't keep us in suspense. Um, please just take action and sponsor a box. It's $30 for one box, and you can sponsor as many boxes as you want. You can go around and ask your friends or families or coworkers to sponsor a box. Um, nobody's going to argue that feeding the hungry is a bad idea. Nobody's going to do that. So this is T-ball, guys. This is an easy sell, and you can ask him to do 30 bucks, and uh, we're going to end up feeding the entire uh, Renaissance apartment complex on that Sunday uh, of Renaissance weekend, and it'll be, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So please be a part of that. So let's pray, and we'll jump into this message here, guys. God, thank you for your grace, and thank you for your love, and we humble ourselves before you. We need you, God. We need you, Lord. The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Moses, we need you. Jesus, our Son of God, the Son of God, our Savior, our Lord, our bright and morning star, the living water, we need you. God, would you move here in just a powerful way? I'm so excited about this message and how you've already started moving in my heart. Thank you, Lord. 
Thank you. And now, Lord, I pray that uh, your words just come out, Lord. Holy Spirit, use me in a way that's disproportionate to who I am. Use this message in a way that, that uh, invades every home, even invades our nation, Lord. Your word is truth. Jesus, you are truth. And the church is the pillar of truth. And we thank you, Lord. We trust in you. We thank you, Lord. And we humble ourselves before your word, God. Right now, would you give God permission to move in your heart right where you're at, whether you're online or in person, and just say, God, speak to me. Make that your prayer. Life is short. Make it your prayer. God, speak to me. Change my heart. Make that your prayer. God, do whatever you want inside of me. Oh, do you mean it? Thank you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for praying with me, guys. Um, This is one of those messages that I just have a lot of expectation, anticipation that uh, God's going to move in a special, special way. Um, This last week, my wife and I, we were, my whole family, we were in uh, San Antonio, Texas. We flew out on Monday morning. Our flight left at 5 a.m. Yes, that means we were at the airport at 3 a.m., 2.30 a.m. And uh, Monday felt like two days squished together. That whole day was a long day. But uh, we went down there because Grace has two sisters that are battling cancer. So uh, uh, we went to go spend time with them, and, and family came in from all over the state, and and we wanted to love on them and, and let, let those two wonderful sisters know that we're praying for them. So appreciate you continuing to pray for them. But we got back on Wednesday night. So as I was thinking about this, I really wanted to give my attention to the family while I was there. So I didn't work on the message. And I, I came back and on Thursday morning, um, I, I, I started working on the message. And I thought out of all messages that I, I need a lot of time on, this is one that I need a lot of time on. And the Lord just moved in a really special way, guys. I'm just telling you. I feel like I'm getting your hopes up, and I hope they are. I hope you expect to hear a word from the Lord. Uh, you know, there, we, we sang some songs, and uh, Pastor Nick sang some, I love that song, Promises. And, and, when, and when you get in crossroads in life, when you, when you have health issues or whatever it is, all of a sudden, lyrics become, just pop off the page, and they become your prayer. It's more than just reciting a bunch of things that are meaningless, they have, they have depth for you. It becomes your prayer. And, uh, and that's, that's what happened. So the Lord moved in a real special way, and I'm fully trusting the Lord's going to move in, 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 in this message right here. The title of this series is How. And what we're doing is we're, for, the, for the few weeks, we've been looking at some, some pretty big questions that a lot of times churches don't talk about. And uh, today, the big question is this, is how to find your identity. What does that look like? How to find your identity. And I, I thought I would just start off by showing you this picture because we all know what this picture means right here. Um, it, it, we see it all the time. I saw it at the airport. And you go, to the re- you go to the bathroom and then there's this sign that says like male or female. And sometimes it's hard to tell because it's like, I, I saw one sign that was like, a, it was like a, a rooster or a chicken or something like that. And I'm like, okay, which one's the rooster? <laughs> you know, sometimes it just makes it a little bit difficult to like, okay, which one? So I, I think we're faced with this identity question often. 
We, every time, every time we go to the bathroom, we, we, we have to identify, okay, which, which one should I go to and, and which one? I, I came across this other picture that I thought, this is way cool, and I wanted to show you this one. Whatever, just wash your hands, <laughs> please. I love the Sasquatch in there. I like Bigfoot in there and aliens. Whatever you call yourself or think of yourself, just wash your hands. Will you do that? And, and clean the toilet, too. Would you do that? Would you mind doing that? Um, boy, our world, our world, this is right. Right in the center, uh, this message is right in the center of what our world is working through right now. When uh, we were at a, at a restaurant and we were eating some sushi, big surprise. And while we were there, we uh, a young man was was taking care of us, and I, I asked him, "Hey, um, um, uh, hey you know, you know, what, what's your name? I wanted to hear a little bit about his story." And he said, "I said, are you going to college and you're going to school?" And he said, "No, I, I graduated high school." And now I'm just kind of doing this. And he says, I just need to find myself. That's what he said. I just, and I so appreciate his honesty. And I talked to him about our young adults ministry that we have here that's just thriving. But as he said that, I thought, I think that's a natural thing for all of us. We all work through is trying to find out who are we? Who am I? Those questions kind of thing. And our world has a, has a strategy behind this. Our world would say something like, look inward and explore. That's what our world would say. Our world would say, go on a journey of self-discovery or do things that make you happy. And if you do things that make you happy, that'll fig- you'll figure out who you are or who, who, what's your identity. Or, and sometimes our world will say, ignore judgment. Ignore judgment and just pay attention to your own feelings, your own thoughts, your own happiness, and that's all you have to do. A few years ago, my, well, quite a few years ago, it was when my daughter was in middle school. I think she was in seventh grade, eighth grade, she maybe was eighth grade. But the middle school that my daughter attended, you may have heard about this, it was just close within my, my radius of my house, they had a drag queen show up at the middle school on literacy day to read a book about bullying. Anybody hear about that? Raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about. We're living in Colorado, guys. Did you know that event right there made national news? CNN talked about it. The Washington Post talked about it. And I was one of those parents that I said, wow, hey, uh, principal, you crossed a line. You crossed a line. There's something scary when our schools start to teach moral values. I, I so appreciate it, but there's times that they just, they just, I just, I'm just going to be, be honest with you, they just get it wrong. They just get it wrong. And sometimes it's not education, sometimes it's indoctrination. That's what it is sometimes. Sometimes it's like that. But that's our school. So I, I just say a prayer for all of our kids that are going to school every day. They're going into, I mean, it, it can be a battleground for them. Say a prayer for all of our teachers that are teaching in schools. It could be a battleground for them. And, and, and the schools promote all kinds of lifestyles. And, and, and if you don't support that lifestyle, then you're looked down upon. And if you don't embrace it, then you're looked down upon. So there's challenges in our world that we have for those of us who, who want, to, want to live by God's word or want to consider ourselves Christians. And, and, and many times we just feel like they, they just don't go together. So our identity is being shaped all the time. We're faced with who are we? That's even the clothes we wear. Even the clothes we wear. When I was preaching in uh, Oregon a few weeks ago, um, I, I, those guys, you know, they, they love their trees. I'll just tell you that. Oregon, Oregonians love their trees. And, uh, but they're hardy guys. They're independent guys. 
They're guys who like their guns. They're guys who are, are, are tree huggers too. They'll recycle. I threw a plastic bottle in the trash can and one of the men said, what are you doing? What do you, and, you know, this is three cents, you know, that kind of thing. And I said, I'm sorry, man. I didn't mean to offend anyone. But, but they're, they're just proud. And I learned a little bit about them just by the way they looked and the way they dressed. And we do the same thing. We, we, we try on different things. We try on different things. And I think it's very normal for us to try on stuff, guys. It's very normal for us to try to figure out who are we? Who, who am I? Who am I? I want to start off by saying this. If knowing your identity is focused on yourself and not on knowing God, then you have a truncated theology. Knowing yourself starts with knowing God. If you want to know who you are, you got to get to know who God is. See, Moses didn't really discover who he was until he met the great I am. You hear, oh, this, is, this is, we're just getting started, guys, okay? Moses did not know who he was until he met the great I am. Abraham did not know who he was until his name was changed to Abraham. Sarai... The one who laughed did not know who she was until she was changed to who? Sarah. Something changed. See, Simon Peter didn't know who he was until Jesus renamed him Rock. And over and over, as you look at Scripture, you see this journey that people are on with God. They start off with a, a, a very short-sighted perspective of who they are. And maybe it's because of the home they grew up in. Maybe it's because of their history, their past, whatever it is, the scars, the wounds, whatever it is, or labels. Sometimes people put labels on us and say words, and we hang on to those words longer than we should. And we let those labels identify us. But when you look at, at God's word, you see people like you and myself, and you see people on this journey, and they're learning to see themselves through the eyes of God. The truest thing about you, someone said this, the truest thing about you is what God thinks about you. That's the truest thing about you. I want to go to Genesis because I believe that's where everything is answered in Genesis. And Genesis chapter 1 uh, is a famous chapter. And this is about the creation. And Ge Genesis chapter 1 is all about creation. But in chapter 1, you read about the, the God creating Man and woman. Here it is. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us, uh, most Bible scholars believe that that word us refers to the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us make human beings in whose image? In our image. To be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, what? What did he say? Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Be a good steward of the earth. So the first thing I want you to see in this passage is, is God is the creator. You are not your creator. 
You did not create yourself. God created you. You can't create anything like God can create. God spoke and you came into existence. Psalm 139, David says, you made all the delicate and inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Isn't that beautiful? I was reading in my, my office. This is not on the slides, guy. I'm just, just, just free. Um, in Psalm chapter 22, verse 14, David also says this. My heart, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry, not that verse. I, oh, here it is, verse 10. Uh, you have been my God from my mother's womb. See, uh, the psalmist, David, he just had a perspective of God's grace, God's sovereignty, God's power, God's perspective. And he just recognized God had his eye on him while he was being made in his mother's womb. Think about that for a little bit. God saw you while you were being made by God, by God, in your mother's womb. God saw your days. He numbered them. He loves you so much. And he said, I'm going to make you in, in and I'm going to make you with a big nose. I just want to do that. I'm going to make you with big ears. I'm going to make you with big eyes. I'm going to make you, whatever it is, we're all beautifully made in the eyes of God. And he made you while you were in your mother's womb. He is your creator. And then I want to say something else too. Job says it like this in chapter 33. He said, the spirit of God has made me. And let's read this out loud, guys. And the breath of the Almighty gives me life. Everybody inhale. Exhale. You want to do it again? Do it online. Where does that breath come from? God Almighty is the one who gives you breath. God gives you breath. Think about that for a little bit. You're not giving yourself breath. You're not that powerful. God is giving you breath. And he's, in, he's, he's making it possible for you to breathe. He is your creator. He is giving you breath. He is the one who is over you and he's the one who takes care of you. And just think about this. If you keep thinking about that just for a little bit, you know what that means? That means you're not God. You're not in control. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about this and I think I have a whole new perspective of breath as you guys know it. I have a whole new perspective of breath. And you know what I think? I want to use my breath for the glory of God. With my breath, I think oxygen goes here. I want to make sure my thoughts please God. I don't want to waste my days. I want to use my breath to please God. I want to please my God who has given me breath every day. I don't want to live as if I'm giving myself breath. I don't want to live as if I'm my creator. I don't want to live like that. I want to have a, an awareness that my God is giving me breath every single day, every night, and I'm going to live for him. You got to hear this. For, for you to understand this, it means that your opinion really doesn't matter. God's opinion matters. He's God. My thinking is limited. His is not limited. He's God. My perspective is limited. 
He's God. He sees everything. What God thinks about me matters more than anything else. See, the first step to foolish thinking is to convince yourself that God needs to fit into your thinking. Instead of you submitting to God's thinking. Did you hear that? The first step to foolish thinking is to think, God, you need to fit into my thinking. Well, our minds are so small. We have limited understanding, don't we? We have limit. Why in the world would I want the God of the universe, (laughs) the God who has no beginning and no end, to fit into my thinking? If you really want to know yourself, you have to submit to his thinking. You have to be willing to submit, to surrender to that. Um, Scripture said, God said, let us make human beings in our image. We're created in the image of God. Male and female, we're created in the image of God. Everything about us, the way we live, we are created in the image of God. Wow. And then it says two genders were created, male and female. That means man and woman. You understand, you understand the difference, right? Male and female, two genders were created. And that's it. Two genders. What was their job? To multiply? That means have sex. To fill the earth. Well, it's two genders. How can two genders multiply? If I put two women in a room, can they multiply on their own? If I put two men in a room, can they multiply on their own? No. It's It's just geometry. It's male and female, right? That's all it is. That's all it is. You put a man and a woman, and that's what God said. Your job is to multiply. Now, God is in the center of it all, isn't it? God is in the center of it all. He's over all of it. Now, their job is to have sex. Their job is to be a good steward of the earth. I believe that. I believe we're called to be good stewards of everything, including the earth, to take care of everything. That's their job. Be fruitful and multiply. Here's the problem. Hang with me, guys. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were what church were opened and they realized they were what they were naked. So they sewed. Let me just stop right there. Um, This is the first time you see in scripture where shame and guilt enter the world. Their eyes were opened. You know what that means? All of a sudden, they recognized they have done something wrong. They had this thing called guilt. And so what they did was they took matters into their own hands. And scripture says, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Again, this is the first time you see in scripture where it's man's attempt to fix a spiritual problem himself. He tries to cover himself with his own human mind, his own human thinking, his own creativity. Was it enough? Of course not. But it was, let me throw you down a biblical word. It was man's attempt to make atonement for himself. So he said, here, here, honey, this is the big fig leaf. Put this on you. I don't know what it is about your chest, but you shouldn't be showing your breasts. I don't know know what it is about your weight. You should be showing. I, I think there's, I don't know why, but I just think it's not okay now. Shame and guilt enters the world. 
And they made covering for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Well, here it is again. This is the first mention in scripture of people running away from God, hiding from God. They hear the voice of God and they run the opposite direction. First time in scripture you see this. Well, we were created to walk with God, to have fellowship with God. That was God's plan A, for us to walk with God. That was his desire. That still is his desire. That's why he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, into the world. So that we can turn to Jesus and experience the cleansing power of the blood of Christ. And we can have fellowship with God. That's still his desire. But here in Genesis, you see this problem where sin enters the world. See, sin affected our spiritual understanding. Proverbs says it like this. A person may think their own ways are right, but the Lord weighs the heart. Do you ever run across someone and they're living a certain way and they're trying to convince you why it's right? Have you ever ran across someone and you're like, okay, that doesn't feel right, doesn't sound, but in your, in your own eyes, you think, it's, you think it's right. You think it's right. Judges chapter 21 says it like this. Well, let me say this. We have the ability to reason through anything. We have the ability to reason through anything. We have that ability. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Um, a few years ago, someone stole my chocolate milk at Men's Retreat. And I don't know if I really got over that. I'm just being honest with you. I was at men's retreat. I was like taking a shower. It was at night. I had played football during the day. I was looking forward to my chocolate milk in the community refrigerator. Some of you know what I'm talking about. We actually had some of our police officers that were at the men's retreat like legitimately interrogate people. I mean, they sat knee to knee with them and started interrogating them. Did you take Pastor Ruben's chocolate milk? And it was like, I started feeling bad for the guys that were getting interrogated, you know, just a little bit. But then I learned later that um, Avery took my chocolate milk. So I just want everybody to know, Avery took my chocolate milk. I discovered it later. And it kind of bothered me, and for a long time it did. But while we were in Texas, this is such a cool story, Avery went over to our house to take care of our dog, um, the one who still needs Jesus. And, uh, and Avery took pizza to our house to eat, and I so appreciate him taking care of our dog. And, and he left his pizza on the table. And um, he was looking forward to that pizza. <laughs> he was hungry. <laughs> and my... Blessed dog decided to jump on our counter and eat his pizza. <laughs> Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. We have a God who takes care of everything. So I told Avery, I said, Avery, I heard you. God, that's so terrible. My dog ate your pizza. I feel so bad. I'm smiling. <laughs> and he started, he started smiling and he said, it's okay, Pastor Ruben. When I was drinking your chocolate milk, I was in my room with my feet up on my bed and just <laughs> sipping it away. And then I said, that's enough, Avery. I'm done with this conversation. I don't want to have anything to do with it. See, we have the capacity to reason through anything. I love Avery. The end of, last verse in Judges says a little bit. It says this, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right. Oh, we need to put that up. Judges chapter 21, verse 25. I want to make sure this is up there. I want to make sure you guys read this. Um, yeah. <clears throat> oh, that's interesting. 
That's not right. Okay, in those days, Israel had no king. All the people did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. That's what Judges 21, 25 says. Everyone did what seemed right in their own eyes. And there was no king during those days. It's the very last verse in the book of Judges. And these two verses tell us something. Here's what it says. Our personal perspective is not enough to determine right from wrong. Because we can make up just about anything. And in and, and the book of Judges, it basically says there was no king, so everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Another, word, another way to say this is there was no standard, so everybody made up their standard. That's what it means. That's what it means. It's like if you, if you want to make sure something is level, you get out of level. If you don't, you're like, okay, well, I think this is level. I'm not sure. I'm going to eyeball it, but I, I think so, but I can't be completely sure. Because you don't have a standard. Paul the Apostle knew this, and he said this in Romans chapter 7. I would never have known that coveting is wrong if the law had not said, you must not covet. And that's the purpose of God's word. God wants us to know what's right and and what's wrong. And I want to say this. um, Church is not about do's and don'ts. Church, Christianity, is about a relationship with the living God. It's about a relationship with Jesus. It's about a relationship with your creator. And one of the strategies of the devil that I've noticed is he, he confuses people and they think, oh, it's just about do's and don'ts. It's just, and, and you, you couldn't be more wrong. It's a loving relationship between you and the God, your creator. It's a loving relationship between you and the one who loves you and knows your heart. It's a relationship See, we need God's word to help us understand ourselves. We need God's word to help us understand what's right and what's, what's wrong. Here's, here's what happens, guys. Here's what happens. Here's, here's, if I were the devil, this would be one of my strategies, and that would be to push God's word out of your life. Think about this a little bit. To push the God of Moses out of your life. See, if I were the devil, I'd be okay with you making up your own God. Because when you make up your own God, you can make him up to be anything you want. Can't you? God's okay with this, and God's okay with that, and God doesn't mind this, and God's okay with this, and God's, and there's worse people, and you can make up your own God. I mean, that's just cake. But when you look at the God of the Bible, the God of Moses, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of David, Jesus, the son of God, all of a sudden, everything changes. So the strategy is this, push God's word out of your life and you think without God. You come to conclusions without God. You do that. Eventually, here's what I've discovered, eventually you'll find yourself on a spiritual island where you determine what's right and what's wrong. Eventually, you'll land at that place. You'll determine whether there's a heaven or there's a hell. You get to determine what God, if he exists, expects of you today. You get to determine everything. Romans chapter 1 is a powerful chapter. I encourage you to go home and read it. But in Romans chapter 1, you see uh, the Rome, and I mean, Paul is writing to Romans, and and, and they are, are spiritually pushing God out of their life. They're pushing God out of their life. And they continue to be disobedient to God. 
And, and there's this phrase in there that says, God gave them over. You know what that means? God let them have their way. He said, you don't want to walk with me? All right. You don't want to be obedient to me? Okay. You want to keep doing things your way? Okay. You want to keep going down that road? I've told you don't go down that road, but you keep going, you know, okay. And God gave them over. Scripture says to a debased mind. And that's a scary thing. That's a scary place. Because there's all kinds of consequences that come with that. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he said, Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? And you see this conversation that the devil has with Eve. And it's a very casual conversation. And, and most of the time, when the devil is going to trip you out, it seems harmless. It seems insignificant. I'm just reading. I'm just thinking about it. You don't understand the ramifications behind that simple conversation. You don't, you don't, you don't get that, the, that there's a spiritual balance that's hanging right now. You, you don't know you're in a battle. You don't know your soul is in a war. You don't recognize what's at stake. And neither did, neither did Eve. And, and verse 6 says this. I'm just going to read verse 6. It says the woman was convinced. So in her mind, she made a decision before any action was taken. She made a decision in her mind that God was holding out. That God had this tree and it, it was actually good for her to eat and God just didn't want her to be like him and, and God was somehow not giving her the life, the full life and the devil convinced her of that and scripture says she was convinced and in her mind she said, you know what? The serpent, who's the craftiest serpent of all, who's the who's, who's shrewdest of all, is right. And you know the story after that. She goes ahead and takes a bite and she becomes, it affects everything. But Eve changed her thinking. And this is the first example, this is the first example right here of thinking without God. It's the first example of thinking without God. When the lines of godly morals become thin, it's a short step till we start questioning our own identity. We're told you need to look inward and explore, and here's the problem with that. We just read about sin and how it affected our spiritual grandparents, how it affects all of us. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9 says it like this, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Haven't you ever seen how deceitful the heart is? Maybe you've seen it in your own family. Maybe you've seen it in, in friends. Maybe you've seen it on the news, and you think, gosh, that's horrible. How could anybody do that? The heart is deceitful, beyond cure. Jesus said, for from within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, desire, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. For from within. For from within. So it's a scary strategy to say, I just need to look inward for the answer. Because we're spiritually sick with this thing called sin. That's our sinful nature. That's our flesh. That's our natural place. So if you want to go there and figure out life's 
problems and who you are and your purpose, that's a scary place to begin because it's deceitfully wicked. Who could understand it? Today, our world is thinking without God's word. Look around. They're pushing God's word out of everything. Pushing God's word out of everything in schools. Did you know um, right now the word gender no longer means male or female. Instead, it means identity and expression. In fact, it's been said there's as many as 76 gender pronouns. And as many as 100 genders. 76 gender pronouns. And let me just make sure we're all on the same page. Gender refers to a psychological reality independent from biological sex. It is the subjective self-perception of being male or female. So it's how do you see yourself? What's your perception of yourself? That's your gender. That's what the world is teaching us. Given that sex is objective and gender is subjective, you would think that we would value conforming one's subjective ideas to objective truth, but it's just the opposite that's happening. Our culture now values altering the objective truth, physically, physical reality of our bodies to accommodate the subjective impression of ourselves. So in other words, our impression of ourselves is greater than even biology. The way we see ourselves is even greater than objective truth. Even greater. Our perception of ourself means more. Now we have this new term called gender dysphoria. Gender dysphoria is the feeling that your emotional and psychological identity doesn't match the biological sex you were born with. So in essence, gender dysphoria is the act of elevating psychology over biology. It elevates self-understanding as the determiner of your identity. So it's no longer the obvious of the parts of a man or the parts of a woman. If you have a different self-impression, if you see yourself differently, then that's truth. And everybody needs to support your self-impression. And if you don't, if you don't, then you're being unkind, you're being unloving, you're whatever it might be, but you have to support, you have to support that. I, I remember when, when my son was uh, playing, I think it was like, gosh, he was really small, playing baseball, and I remember there was a parent who had a kid and told the coach that, uh, that my son, uh, this was a parent of another kid, said my son uh, believes He's, uh, he's uh, oh, what is his name? The little guy that, that runs really fast in The Incredibles. The, what's his name? Flash? Dash. Dash, Dash, Dash. Thank you. It's not even my notes, guys. You can tell. So she said, I, I want you to call him Dash because he believes he's Dash. And the coach looked at him and said, well, what's your name? And the guy was like, his name's Timmy or whatever. And then he says, I'm going to call you Timmy. And she was so angry. She was so angry that the coach would not call her son Dash, because she was supporting that belief that he's Dash. Now, you might look at that and say, oh, that's just silly. That's just simple. But we have a, we're in a world right now. We're in a world where if I have a self-impression of myself and you don't support it, that's a problem. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says, God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. He's not a God of confusion, but of peace. Glory to God. Does how you feel change your biological makeup? Does how you feel change, I mean, literally, physically 
change your biological makeup? Do your feelings have that much power? I shared before I went to Chick-fil-A and I was in front of them and I told them I was a senior citizen and I wanted the senior citizen discount. And they just looked at me. And then she was like, okay. And she was like, I said, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. At what point, I mean, I mean, what if I told you, let me ask, tell you this. What if I told you I feel like a 15-year-old boy and I'm going to do things that 15-year-old boys, would you say, Reuben, that's ridiculous. You'd just be, uh, what if I was offended if you didn't believe that? What if I felt like I was a, a 35 Asian man? What if I told you I'm not short, I'm tall. I see myself as six foot five. What's the problem with any of that? At what point, at what point does it become foolish thinking? Do my feelings have the power to change my age, my sex, my race? Postmodernism coming out of romanticism and existentialism tells us this. You are what you feel. You are what you feel. And that kind of thinking, that philosophy has, has just permeated our culture. So following this thinking, how you feel is all that matters. And we live in a world that has been making this shift to your feelings are supreme. Your feeling trumps truth. Your feelings are truth. And, and it's gone from soul experiencia, experiencia, which is experience alone, has won out to sola experiencia, which is scripture alone. It's no longer scripture alone. It's now experience alone. And my experiences are greater than even, even truth, even biological truth. How I feel, my self-perception. You also have this other term called gender fluidity. Fluidity. This new term has been, been really pushed even through social media. It refers to change over time in a person's gender expression or gender identity or both. Literally, my gender can change as my feelings change. Literally. Literally. Social media influencers celebrate the idea of gender fluidity. Social media. It's popular. It's trendy. That's the danger of social media right now, guys, is we're remembering cliches from social media, but we're not gaining any wisdom. We're gaining cliches, and it's fun, and it's eye candy, but we're not spending any time in God's word, and we're not looking at truth. We're looking at truth less and less, and as a result, we're shifting to this place where everyone is doing what's right in their own eyes. That's where we're shifting. It's becoming more challenging to be a church that stands on God's word. I'm just telling you guys right now. Is it, and I love it. Bring it on. It's the way I'm wired, guys. I love the challenge of preaching at the gates of hell. I love the challenge of being light in darkness. Anybody with me? I love being that church. I love being that church. Studies have shown that the conditions of people who think like, like this, they have low self-esteem, anxiety, depression, lack of identity, eating disorders, personality disorder, self-injury, sexual trauma, and gender trauma. So let's switch direction just a little bit. Do your feelings determine who you are? Hmm. Let's look at God's word. 1 John chapter 3 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. 
You're a child of God. Glory to God. Don't build your identity around sin. Don't build your identity around that mistake. Don't build your identity around that label that someone gave you that they should have never given you and they weren't even filled with the Spirit of God when they gave it to you and you're still holding on to that label. Don't build your identity around the values of the world. The laws change in this world, don't they? And you see that. But the Word of God doesn't change at all. The word of God, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? So be careful what you build your identity around. And don't build your identity around your feelings. One thing I love about the Psalms is you read in, in Psalms just the things. That, I mean, David says in Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He feels like God is absent. He feels like God has taken a vacation. He feels like God doesn't care. He feels like he's alone. But you keep reading this and you see this place where he turns and he says, oh, but I remember to you, God, I cry day by day. You see that? See, the difference is David said, okay, I feel this way, but he didn't forget who his God was. He didn't forget that God is a God who takes care of him and God, he didn't forget what God has done in his life. Don't forget what God has done in your life. Don't forget how far God has brought you. Don't forget that. Don't make God feel like he wasted his time. <laughs> God loves you so much. Hasn't he, been, hasn't he been good in your life? When you look back at your life and you see those times when you were low, wasn't God faithful? Didn't he take care of you then? So don't walk away from your God when you feel like he's not around. Don't walk away from your God when you feel like you're in a dry place. That's the place where you worship God. That's the place where you worship God. And you say, God, I don't know why this is happening. I feel like you're not here, but I'm going to worship you, God, and I'm not going to turn away from my faith. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. And my hope is in you, Jesus. I'm going to hold on to you, Jesus. Oh, boy, you're growing there. You're growing there. Don't build your identity around sin or the world values or feelings. Paul says in Galatians, so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Walk by the spirit. There's these two forces, the Holy Spirit and the flesh. The flesh comes from our sinful nature, from the fall that we read about in Genesis chapter three. That's the sinful nature. We're born with the sinful nature. You don't have to teach your kids how to lie. You don't have to do that. They're born with the sinful nature. They learn those things quickly. I mean, it's just in them. And, 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 and here Paul is saying, okay, don't follow the desires of your sinful nature. Now the problem we have is, is, is we build our life around the sinful nature. We come to conclusions around our sinful nature. Don't do that. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other so they are not to do whatever you want. So hear this. It's possible to build your identity around feelings that come from a fallen spirit, uh, spiritual nature. It's possible to do that. It's possible to do that. Parents, your job is to point your children to Jesus. And it's normal to be curious. Hear that? It's normal to be curious, but the worst thing a parent can do is tell their kid, you go ahead and be curious and you don't need any help with direction. You don't need any help with me. You just go ahead and explore away and you discover yourself on your own. 
That's the worst thing a parent can do. When you look at the God of the Bible, look at the home of the Israelites. Their job over and over, you look at the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. The Lord is one. Buying the word on your right. I mean, it, over and over, the parents were responsible to teach their children about God's word. The parents were responsible to teach their children about the God of Abraham. The parents were responsible to teach their children about the, how God worked in Israel. The parents were responsible to teach their children how to walk with God. Well, what's happening is that's lacking now. And all of a sudden, everyone's left on their own to make their own decisions about what it may be. And they're looking at their sinful nature and they're confused. They're spiritually confused. Let me ask you a theological question. Does God make mistakes? Does he make mistakes? Should God have made you a different way? Does God make mistakes? That's a big question. Big question. Does God make mistakes? (laughs) Isaiah chapter 45, I love the way he says it. The prophet says, What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, Stop, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, How clumsy can you be? How terrible it would be if a newborn baby said to its father, Why was I born? Or if I said to its mother, Or if it said to its mother, Why did you make me this way? This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and your creator. Do you question what I do for my children? Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? I am the one who made the earth and created the people to live on it. With my hands, I stretched out the heavens. All the stars are at my command. Glory to God. Why do you want to argue the creator? I'm going to get real with you guys. I've been real the whole time. There was a time in my life when I struggled with the color of my skin. I have family members with dark skin that were put on the back of the bus. I have family members with color of their skin that were told to eat out of the colored water fountain. I have have that. And it it doesn't take long for a kid to figure out their difference. Just didn't take long. Didn't take long. I have memories, guys of being in the shower and scrubbing as hard as I could on my own skin, trying to get off the dark as a, baby, as a child. Because I figured out I was different. You know what I'm talking about? You ever have parts about you that you're like, I don't know about this, God, I think you made a mistake. I have memories of those things. Here's the craziness behind it. Here's the craziness of it. God decides to save me. Jesus takes a hold of my life and changes me. I showed my kids where I grew up, right? I showed you where I grew up. He changes me. And all of a sudden he says, Reuben, I made you just the way I want to make you. You're my child and I'm going to use you. And all of a sudden in my years of ministry, guess what guys? Because of the color of my skin, I can go places that other people can't. And I can preach God's word and I can preach in an area. And because of the color of my skin, all of a sudden diversity is like embraced. When I was a kid, it wasn't so much. And all of a sudden, because of the color of my skin, God uses it for his glory. And now I'm proud to be mahogany. You know, I'm just proud to be brown. I'm just proud. I'm just happy. about. I'm so sorry you're white. I'm so sorry about that. I'm so sorry. I'm just kidding with you. But I'm just, I just embrace it. And here's what I want to say. Embrace who God has made you to be 
Because God's going to make God's going to use you and everything about you for his glory and for his kingdom. He's going to use your accent. He's going to use the way you live. He's going to use your personality, the way you think. Everything about you is going to be used for the glory of God. God made you for a purpose. Glory to God. Praise Jesus. Glory to God. You're created in the image of God. You're perfect just the way you were born. Your body's perfect. Your hair is perfect. Don't try to change it. Your nose is perfect. You're bald. Praise the Lord. You got hair. Praise the Lord. Your eyes are perfect. You got a big butt. Glory to God. (laughs) Whatever it is, praise the Lord exactly for who you are. We have a creative God, a diverse God, and that's heaven. It's a box of Skittles. That's heaven. It's made up, and and the beautiful thing about it is God, he's the redeeming God, and he shows off, and he will use all of us for his purpose, for his mission field. He'll use all of us. There's a song on my playlist by Maverick City uh, Music, and it's called uh, God Don't Make Mistakes. It's a cool song. My son turned it on to me. And uh, in there, it says, God don't make mistakes, but what about me? But then it also says, he accepted all my flaws. Jesus wants it all. Isn't that good? The greatest self-discovery you will ever make in your lifetime is identifying who you are in Christ Jesus. That's the greatest self-discovery you'll ever, ever make. The Bible says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. The greatest discovery you'll ever make is found in your relationship with Jesus. Throw yourself into Jesus and you'll see yourself better. Throw yourself into Jesus and you'll get your identity a whole lot better. Throw yourself into Jesus and you'll understand why. Throw yourself into Jesus and he will make you completely new. Completely new. C.S. Lewis said the Christian life is simply a process of having your natural self changed into a Christ self. And I want to close with the words of Paul. Since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Glory to God. I want to say something to those of you who call yourself a Christian. If you call yourself a Christian, be a Christian. Don't say you're a Christian and you don't spend time in God's word. Don't say you're a Christian and you're not sharing Jesus with others. Don't say you're a Christian and you're not living a life of obedience to God. If you call yourself a Christian, be a Christian. Jesus said, if the salt loses its flavor, what good is it? We're called to be light in darkness. We're called to be light in darkness. You know what, guys? We're going to love anyone that comes into the doors of Thorn Creek Church. I don't care if they call themselves, if they say they have 42 genders. I don't care. I know the truth. They're a child of God. And we're all under construction. Truth is, we're all working through different things. We all need the grace of God. And some sins we can hide a little bit better than other sins. Some sins are more private. Other sins are more public. But we all need the grace of God. All of us are here just for a short time. All of us. So let's love on every person, every soul. 
somebody recently put their hands on my shoulders because they were so moved by the message. And they said, does this place have any room for a, a, a they, they, they said this word, just want you to know, they said for a homosexual like me, that's what they said. And I said, absolutely, absolutely. And it has room also for liars too. It also has room for people who are, who are cheaters. And it also has room for, for hypocrites too. And it also has room for people who are addicted to stuff. And it also has room for people who are caught up in porn. It also has room for, you know, you hear what I'm saying? That's the church. That's what the church should be. But we should never, ever, ever water down the word of God. The word of God is strong. It stands forever. And this is our standard. Because if we put this aside and we, we, we say we don't need the word of God, here it is, we're going to be just like the last verse in Judges. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that's dangerous ground to live on. So let's continue to be the church. If you have someone in your life who's struggling with identity, man, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray for them. And help them understand God's word. Pray for them. But just because they feel a certain way doesn't mean that it's true. And sometimes the worst thing you can do is support their feelings. Sometimes. I'm, I'm so tempted to tell the IRS, you know what, I'm at a certain age bracket and you know, they're not gonna believe that. Well, tell the IRS, no, really, I'm not, yeah, right. Uh, tell the IRS you're not male or female. Yeah, right. Tell them, they're not, they're not there. <laughs> they're not there at all. Tell them, uh, yeah, right. Let's be the church. Let's be Christians. Let's keep looking at Jesus. Let's stay in his word. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for being with us. And Lord, I, uh, I want to pray for those people who are online or maybe in person who maybe don't have a relationship with you, Jesus. And if that's you, would you start off by saying this? Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins and I want to live for you. Others of you, maybe you're, you're working through gender identity and maybe you're just in a place where you're just confused. Would you say this? Say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to turn to you. Oh, that's the big prayer. Say, Jesus, I want to turn to you. That's, that's a decision only you can make. I turn to you with all of my heart. I ask you to forgive me for for my sins and, and I don't want to feed my mind with anything that draws me away from you, that takes me away from you. I don't want to feed my mind with anything like that. So I want to, I want to turn my mind to you. I want to turn my thoughts to you. And I want to turn to you with all of my heart and I, I, I want to say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Work inside of me. Change me. Transform me. Give me clarity about who I am in you, Jesus. Give me a new strength that I didn't have before, a new spirit of self-control that I didn't have before. Help me to love myself like you love me, Jesus. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. Thank you, God, for working in this message. It's in your name we pray, amen. Can we praise the Lord together? Put our hands together. and. Praise Jesus. Um, hey, we have prayer available for you. 
So if you would like prayer at the end of the service, or actually right now, while this song is going on, right now, we're going to have some prayer partners. So they're, they're right over here, standing over here to my right, your left. Do you see them there? They're, they're standing there like bouncers, ready to pray with you. And they want to pray with you. So it would be an honor for them to have you walk over there and say, would you pray for me? And we all need prayer, guys. So during this song, feel free to walk over there and let them, uh, let them pray for you in the name of Jesus.